0: Welcome to the Future of What. I'm your host, Portia Sabin. The music business is confusing because, like most things, it's made up of a patchwork of historical accidents. For example, why don't performers and labels get paid when their songs get played on the radio? Because when radio started, recording technology hadn't made the LP ubiquitous yet, and popular songs were played by the station's own in-house band. Today, we find ourselves in the middle of one of these historical moments when the technology is changing rapidly, but practice and the law haven't yet caught up. On this show, we're going to talk about how musicians and others currently get paid for streaming royalties, and if there's an opportunity for us to change this, and if we'd even want to change this. It's all coming up on the future of what? Can I- So I'm talking today to Sharky Liguana. Yeah. Right. That's Using my own voice. Yes. Using his own voice. And we are talking about the thing that he walks around talking about incessantly and the thing that people are listening to. Right. Which is?
1: Subscriber share. um, Subscriber share. Yeah. Woohoo. Basically, my concept here is, you know, musicians love to complain about the music business, but I'm not really complaining. I just think that one little tweak might make a pretty big difference among at least the artists I care about, which are up and coming and emerging artists. That's like where I have like a little special thing in my heart for. And I guess in order to kind of talk about what it is, I think we should change. We should talk about the way things are right now. The way things are right now is we use a system called pro rata, which is this Latin word that means in proportion. And... What we do, basically, is Spotify or Apple Music, all the services, they all use this exact same method. So I'm just going to say Spotify because it's convenient. But every time I say Spotify, imagine I'm saying Apple Music, Radio Deezer, Dozer, whatever, whatever all the other services are. So Spotify. So Spotify charges you $10. And of that $10, 30% goes to Spotify. So they get $3. And then the remaining $7 goes to the artists, is, is set aside for for as royalties. And so, okay, uh, that's fine. I think most of us get that and it sounds pretty reasonable. And and so, okay, well, how do, how do we divide up these royalties? Well, what they do is they take that $7 in, in royalties and you would think that this money is going to the people you listen to, but that's not in truth what happens. In fact, very in all likelihood, very little of the money that you pay goes to the artists you actually listen to because of this pro rata method. And the way the pro rata method works is they they take all the money and they put it all in one big pool. And then they take all the the clicks that people do over the course of an entire month, all the streams. So for example, maybe in a typical month in the United States, Spotify might do $37 million in revenue. So they'll take out their, their 30%, which is $11 million. And the remaining money, they will divide By the 3.4 billion streams they did that month. And then you get this per stream rate, which is about three quarters of a penny, 0.007, right? And so the net effect of this is if you want to make more money, you got to get more clicks, you got to get more streams. And I think most people just sort of assume, all right, that makes sense. Uh, If you want more money, you get more streams. And and it does kind of make sense. And, And I think. A lot of the music industry is just like okay whatever we're all used to people that get more radio plays get more money people that get more movies get more money people that have higher ratings get more money it just seems to make sense but then you know where it starts to break down is you start thinking about it and you realize oh well wait a second we're just paying per stream and different people listen to different amounts and Yet every user is paying the same. So you get these uh, weird distortions. And these distortions are, are what's really disturbing. So like one good example of a distortion. This is sort of an extreme example. It's not how it actually probably would represent itself in reality. But this is a way of illustrating what a distortion could be. Imagine you have 10,000 users and on, on one hand. And imagine you have one user on the other hand. Okay, so which one would you as an artist rather have as fans, right? Like, well, I want 10,000 users, okay? Well, what if I told you that 10,000 people only click once a month each? And that one person clicks 12,000 times a month each, right? So which would you rather have now? Well, uh, <laughs> You know, once isn't great, but I'd still rather have 10,000 fans because, you know, they could come to shows, they could buy records, they could, you know, do all this stuff. So I want the 10,000 fans. What's up is you actually want the one person that clicks 12,000 times. They're worth 20% more money than the 12,000 users because we don't care under the current system, the pro rata system, how many fans an artist has. The only thing we care about is how many clicks did you get? And so, this is a problem, right? Like, because ultimately the music industry has always been about what's your draw? How many people can you bring to a show? How many fans do you have? Not how often do your fans listen to your music? Now, what we're basically saying under the pro rata method is if you have fans that click a lot, then you are valuable. And if you have fans that have jobs, and or go to school and don't have time to listen to music 8 to 12 hours a day, you are not as valuable. You're not as important. So this, to me, seems kind of crazy. And, and, and I had this back in November of last year, one year ago, almost precisely to this day. I had this brain fart, and I was like, why don't we just make it so that every user's worth the same? They all pay the same. They all pay $10 a month. I, I'm fine with Spotify getting their 30%. I'm not complaining about how much money people pay for streaming. I think it's a fine amount of money. In fact, in theory, it should be more money than we used to previously get. I think the uh, per capita amount of money we used to get per listener in America was something like 20 bucks. And now we're talking about getting 120 bucks per year. So this potentially should mean that we're, artists are making a lot more money, but that's not the experience that most people are having. So why is that? And so then I thought, well, why? why isn't it just Whoever you listen to, that's who you listen to, and only they get your money. And you just divide up your money among the people you listen to, and nobody else gets your money, right? Another example I use is imagine you go into a record store and you buy a record. Let's say, uh, give me a a Kill Rock Stars artist. Elliot Smith. Elliot Smith. So you go into the record store and you buy Elliot Smith. And the clerk looks at you, oh, Elliot Smith. Cool, man, that is a great record. You're really going to love it. I'm like, cool, yeah, I can't wait to get home and listen to it. I love XO. It's a like, brilliant album. And uh, he goes, yeah, uh, just one thing. And you're like, what? He goes, you have to listen to that record 1,100 times. I'm like, why? He goes, well, you don't have to. You can listen to it as many times as you want. But if you want Elliot Smith to get any money, you have to listen to it 1,100 times. Well, what if I don't listen to it 1,100 times? Who gets the money? Oh, we're, we're going to give it to Nickelback. <laughs> So that's how the system works right now, basically, is it, it takes all the money and unless you average, your average usage is literally 1,100 plays per month, your money is actually going to go to other artists you don't listen to and may not even like. You know, it could go to Limp Bizkit for all you know, or Lisa Manelli, or Creed. Creed, or or it could go to artists you like, I don't know, but it's like luck of the draw. You know, I used to play music professionally, and I care about music. It's it's something that's had an impact on me. And I also am a musician that came up definitely from the trenches. When I moved to San Francisco, I was homeless for a long time. And, you know, it it, it took me two or three years before I even had a friend, you know, that I could say was a real, you know, friend. and. It was several years before I even had, like, my own room, uh, you know, in a roommate situation. I, Like, I would literally have experiences, you know, I, I'm really hungry, I need a burrito, I'm going to go to the blood bank and sell my blood to buy a burrito. Like, that was, you know, just a, a kind of regular part of my, my daily experience. So, emotionally, I feel a lot of sympathy for the emerging dedicated artist um, who doesn't have a lot of money but is... Really dedicated to their craft, and that's who you know. I think needs the money the most. I mean, I don't think Nicki Minaj is going to notice if she makes one point nine million instead of one point nine five. You know, she's not going to notice that extra fifty thousand dollars, but that extra five bucks or ten bucks that finds its way to an artist first getting their first couple fans. That I mean, the, you know, ten, your first 10 bucks are way more important than your millionth 10 bucks. Right. you know, It has a much bigger impact on your life. So I, I see it as a, an issue that's, that's important to supporting the people that need the help the most.
0: So explain to us how this subscriber share actually would work in practice.
1: Well, it's really simple. So if you listen to your favorite band, let's say Alt-J, for example, uh, if you listen to them 100% of the time, then Alt-J gets 100% of your royalties, which is $7. If you listen to them 25% of the time, then they get 25% of your $7, which is $1.75. So it's all about, instead of saying, we're going to take all the money and we're going to basically divvy up the pie slices based on all the clicks, instead we're going to say everybody, every user has their own pie and they can divvy it up in as many different slices as they want. If they, if you want to listen to 5,000 artists in a month, you can. And every artist you listen to will get one five thousandth of a slice. If you want to listen to five artists, then every artist will get one of five slices. And so I think, you know, when I talk about this, most people sort of intuitively get that that's better. That feels There's something about that that feels right. Mm-hmm. It resonates with how we sort of experience with music actually, it goes deeper than that because you know one of the things that i 've talked about is in capitalism, indeed you know i don 't know you could argue it's it's just sort of an element of, of being living beings in the natural world. We vote with money for what we want more of, and if you want more of a specific artist you give them your money and then you get more of that specific artist and and they can afford to keep doing it or or mm-hmm. invest more time or or maybe they get excited and they do what i've done with all these articles and get very ocd and, and you know and then you get this explosion of 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 talent and then what happens when that gets perverted or diverted is that artist doesn't get their the support and so You get a handful of of Van Goghs that cut off their ears and and just keep doing it because they love. And then you get other people that just, you know, they they burn out or fade away or or move on and do other things. And from my perspective, we're all poorer for it when that happens. We're we're missing out on something, you know, that we could have had. So I, I see subscribers share this idea that every fan is equal because they're all paying the same amount of money. They are actually all equal it shouldn't matter how much they listen to something. We never used to say, oh, you bought that Led Zeppelin album and you listened to it 10,000 times, so you're more important than the person who bought the Led Zeppelin album and listened to it 1,000 times. We never said to Frank Zappa, yeah, you know, people don't listen to your record eight hours a day, so uh, you're only going to get a percentage of the royalties that your fans generate. We never said that, right? Mm-hmm. Like it was always, they bought your record. I've bought records that I don't listen to all that often that have... Tremendously impacted me. I still think about them constantly. There's this one Meredith Monk. I don't think I've listened to her albums more than ten times in total. Yet, she's one of the biggest influences on me as an artist and I think about her approach to music constantly. Like I'm always like got like little just her and it's more about her philosophy but also some of the sounds are just so incredible But it's not the kind of music you sit around and listen to eight hours a day. In fact, I've tried to listen to it and my family goes berserk because it's a lot of
2: uh, uh,
1: and like people are freaking out like stop because it's just these repeating vocal motifs that uh, are uh, kind of freaky when when you're hearing. So, you know, basically what we're saying is artists like Meredith Monk under the current system don't matter. They're irrelevant. Because they don't get lots of repeat listens. The only artists that we should care about are the artists that get repeat listens. i th- I think that's a, a flawed approach. And that's not how music that's not how we we perceive. That's not how we react. That's not how our relationship to music is structured. So so I think the payment method should in at least in part, sort of reflect that
0: so much of the music business is basically, cobbled together from historical accidents. You know, basically people started doing something a certain way or the government made a certain regulation because some they were lobbied by somebody. So really it's just this, you know, patchwork right. of, of things that happened in the past that we now have to put up with. right? So it sounds like what you're saying is that the pro rata system just was the way that people implemented it. But that there is the possibility we could do this other way of dividing the pie. However, since we started with the pro rata, you know, how would we switch that system over to a subscriber share?
1: Well, you know, I think there's a couple components to this question. So the the first part is, there has to be consensus that we should switch. And in order for there to be consensus, there has to be data to support that consensus and the truth is we don't have all the data we have some data there's been uh, some research that's been done in Den- denmark with wimp data wimp was a, a streaming service mm-hmm. that eventually evolved into title jay-z's thing which i hear he's going to sell at some point soon so we don't have all the data and we we can't really make a fully fledged fully formed you know unassailable argument for this yet so a lot of what I'm doing right now is I'm just making you know, a sort of generalized hypothesis based on some of these things that I'm saying. And I'm, I'm sort of saying them in more succinct ways and and trying to get people to think about these issues. And I would say I feel my perception is, I mean, of course, I would think this. I'm a biased observer. But my perception is I feel like I'm getting somewhere. I, I'm, I feel like I'm making progress. The more I talk about it, the more light bulbs start to come on and people go, oh, yeah, that kind of makes sense. So... That's the first part is sort of developing consensus. And it's not just me, by the way. Like, I'm just one person doing this. There's other people. Dick Huey has been really involved in, in this problem. He works with Merge Records. Of course, there's the researchers in Denmark. And, uh, you know, Mark Mulligan, who's a very influential and very thoughtful uh, guy, on uh, runs a company called Media Research. He recently came out and said he thought it was a good idea. Jeff Price. Just in this billboard op-ed article today said he thought it was a good idea. It was like a throwaway line in, in the comment, but I'll take it. <laughs> so, you know, the first part is, is, is building consensus. All right. So then the second part is, okay, let's say we get there. We have consensus. The majors agree. The indies agree. The public agrees. The streaming services agree. Everybody thinks it's a good idea. What, what happens next? Well, the next thing you have to do is you have to look at basically two things. One, what's your transaction cost? right? What's the cost of change? How much is that going to cost? And then you have to look at what do we stand to gain if we do change? In other words, what's the return on our investment for change? And, you know, if it's one of those situations where it's going to cost a lot and the return on investment is going to come back over a long period of time, then maybe we don't do it right? Like maybe it just doesn't make sense. It's, it's like, uh, yeah, it'd be nice. We'd make a little bit more money. It's like putting solar panels on top of your house, right? Like we all know that we would eventually over a period of 20 to 30 years save more money, but most of us would kind of need the money now. So we're not going to do that, right? On the other hand, Maybe it doesn't cost that much. Maybe it's not as challenging as we think. And maybe the upsides are bigger than, you know, kind of what we're currently imagining. And so that's kind of the scenario that I'm presenting, which is this could potentially, you know, among other things, uh, could reduce the level of fraud in the system. It could encourage artists to feel better about streaming. And maybe if they feel better, they'll be more vocal about trying to convince people to become subscribers. And maybe that only has an incremental effect, but the nice thing about compound savings is incremental effects have a tendency to stack up over time. And so, you know, if you even if you add 5% more users a year, 20 years from now, you'll be glad you did, right? Like, cause you're gonna have like five times the number of users that you do currently. So these are things that I think the labels and the services need to think about. What, what is, you know, obviously streaming's growing, but what's the rate of growth? Could it be higher? if if you had a more of a supportive stance from the artist community would that rate that acquisition rate of of subscribers would that be higher so that's something i think they should be thinking about so you know basically in a nutshell prorata says the only thing that matters is clicks subscriber share says clicks and fans matter they both do it's it's the intersection of those two things it's it's the level of interest but it's also the number of people and so i think you know, that's an important thing. I, I, I think it's something that, that, that helps genres come to life. I think it's, it's something that helps emerging artists avoid having to sell their blood to buy burritos. You know, I think it's uh, the kind of thing that uh, helps people get up off the ground. Get, get out of the starting line just a hair faster, a hair quicker, and get to a place where, you know, they can actually s- sort of support themselves with the giant caveat. They got to be talented. They got to have actual fans. It's not going to work if you just buy a Pro Tools rig (laughs) and, you you know, you can't just manipulate the system. Right. And so, like, that's, you know, I think sometimes people sort of lose sight of that. No, this is not everybody gets an award for participating. Right. This is actually it should be restricted. It should actually be less people get a reward. But the people who do get a reward get a bigger reward. But we don't want it to be super limited to just like the Taylor Swift of the world. You know, we want other voices, you know, the Joanna Newsom's or the gossip. You know, we want these other folks who have different unique voices. We want their scenes to be able to support them and these new voices to emerge because it it makes culture more diverse. It makes us all richer and it ultimately makes the music industry healthier, happier, better. That's it in a nutshell.
0: Well, Sharky, thank you so much for being with us on The Future of What. Awesome. That was Ice Sculpture by Red Cabin. If you're enjoying this program, please consider becoming a subscriber on Bandcamp. Just go to thefutureofwhat.bandcamp.com. To find out what's coming up next, follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW. Now back to the show. My guests today are Sharky Laguana, founder of Bandigo, Dick Huey, founder of Toolshed Media, and Tim Quirk, founder of Freeform Development. Guys, welcome to The Future of What.
3: Howdy. Hey, Marcia. Hello.
0: So, Dick, do you want to start us out by just explaining briefly how people get paid for streaming royalties right now?
3: Sure. So it's a pretty straightforward process. With an on-demand streaming service, you take the amount of money and essentially divide the number of plays into that money and come up with a per-stream rate. And then that per-stream rate is distributed according to how many plays you have. So if, for instance, the per-stream rate was a penny and you had 100 plays then you'd get a dollar. That's the simplistic explanation.
0: Gotcha. And I have a question. Does anyone know the answer to this? Is there an amount of time that someone needs to listen to a stream for it to count?
4: Well, it depends on the service. Spotify is 31 seconds. Apple Music is 20.
0: And that type of payment is what's being called pro rata. Is that correct?
3: That's right. Yep. Okay.
0: So Sharky, you are a proponent of an idea for, for a different way that people can get paid. And it's not your original idea, but you are the one who's currently propounding it most vocally, probably. And that is called (laughs) (laughs) subscriber share. Is that correct?
4: some some call it user centric or or uh listener centric uh you know i i wasn't aware of the work that other people had done and what came to mind for, for me was subscriber share I was thinking about mind share of of listeners and uh uh and i was primarily concerned with paying subscribers so hence subscriber share basically the concept behind subscriber share it's it's almost the reverse of prorata so prorata takes all the clicks and puts them in one big pool and then divides it by all the money. Subscriber share does the same thing except that the size of the pool, instead of being all the subscribers, it's just at the individual subscriber level. So if one person listens to a band 100% of the time, then that band would get 100% of the royalties generated by that subscription fee. And if they listen to them, you know, 25% of the time, then the band would get 25%. And that's pretty much it in a nutshell.
0: So I, I started this program in the intro talking about how the music business is confusing to outsiders and insiders alike because really what we are is a cobbled together patchwork of a series of historical accidents that have left us with all the various things that make up how people get paid for what. And this sort of seems like we're in a moment where, you know, do we think there's anything that we could do about this? You know, pro is how things started with streaming payments. I mean, is it realistic to think we could switch to subscriber share? Are you asking me? Yes. Or everybody? I'm asking you. I, I kind of want everyone's <laughs> take on that, though. I, Sharky, go yeah. ahead and you tell me.
4: I think the answer is yes. I, I think it's realistic. That's not to say that it's not a big challenge. There, there's sort of two components. One, you know, there's there's sort of the operational components of you know how do you make it, how do you do it, how do you how do, how do the royalty statements look like, and 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 how does it work. And then there's sort of the business components which are does it make sense for a service to do does it make sense for the the labels to do I think the second parts the the more challenging bit because you need a fair degree of consensus you know you're you're not going to have a streaming service without the labels being involved you know you, you need most of the labels for engagement in in order to have a, a viable service so the question is is you know is it possible that a service could get behind this idea and then is it possible that the the labels could get behind this idea
5: Tim's going to chime in here cuz i think it you have to start with the labels like the services are agnostic about it right the services are paying what they're paying Sure. Um, and they're you know it it's sort of immaterial to them how it gets divided up which doesn't mean they don't care but you know as long right. as no, I as agree. long as you know they're they're paying out 70% of of whatever they take in generally speaking and what we're really talking about is how do you divide up that 70% so as, as Sharky said, can't have a service without the major label music catalog. So it's a, the answer to your question, there's a very simple way to answer it. If it makes the major labels more money, they will absolutely do it. If it makes them less money, they absolutely won't do it. And if it makes them the same amount of money, chances of getting them to change, given the way the music business works, are pretty slim just because they'll be afraid that it will turn out it makes them less money. My take is it will make them the same amount of money.
4: I completely agree with your analysis that it's an, ultimately it's an economic question. I, I, I couldn't agree with that more. I'm 100% behind that. I think the question that whether or not they will make more or less money is, is actually a more complicated question than it looks like at first glance. Sort of my take on this is that if if you run through how we do things currently, it winds up being a wash for most of the major players. Think think of the labels and uh, even the major indies as just being like hedge funds, right? no matter what kind of happens with music, if tech goes up, then maybe commodities go down and if commodities go up, maybe tech goes down. That's what a hedge fund is, right? They're always sort of hedging against all the different things that can happen. So changing the royalty model, Tim's right, it, it, it doesn't really have a dramatic impact on revenue at sort of the outset in the short term. What I would I guess, sort of advocate for and what my instinct says, and, and I think there's some limited data to sort of establish this, is that some of the other things that Subscriber Share does could positively impact revenue across the industry as a whole and be the equivalent of a rising tide lifting all boats. And and it would do this in, in a couple different ways one is is that by connecting fans more closely to artists you you get more of a a reason for fans to be engaged with artists and more of a reason for artists to be engaged with the fans so you're you're incentivizing fan acquisition instead of just incentivizing just get get me raw numbers of clicks now this might have a small effect at the outset but you know it's it's sort of like compound interest it it stacks up over time Uh, so that's one argument. Another argument would be if you're incentivizing musicians to get more fans, and that's where the focus is under subscriber share, it's, it's, it's uh, definitely a lot more about how many fans do you bring to the table. Then, what winds up happening is you make them more of a natural partner in fan acquisition, which is something that, again, benefits all parties.
5: (laughs) I don't think that's an accurate way of phrasing it, Chart. It's not about bringing more fans to the table in your model. It's about bringing fans to the table who listen to you exclusively or listen to you more than they listen to anything else. So, every, you know, it's always been a part of the music business. You need them, you want the maximum number of fans possible. But this particular way of splitting revenue from streaming services means you're actively trying to get your fans to play you to the exclusion of other folks. And I don't think that has a positive effect. And also, the other thing I would say is as subscription services become a more mainstream phenomenon, everything you're saying just now sort of presupposes that the average subscriber knows or cares how their listens are turning into money for the artists. And I would argue that every, everything I've ever seen suggests that the average subscriber doesn't know and won't care even if you tell them.
3: I'd like to respond to, to what you said about that. On the economics of the music industry, I'm sure you're right. I'm sure most people are very, very happy to have a very, very top level of understanding that you know, a CD costs 12 bucks and, you know, and that's it, and, and a subscription service is $10 if they, if they even know that. But I think what the point that Sharky was making is a, is a valid one. The, I guess the natural salespeople for, for music are artists. It's, it's a portion of their livelihood. And if you look back in history, you would certainly see that artists who you know, on on their website or sort of in outreach emails to their fan bases that, uh, you know, please buy my music on compact disc or please go to my Bandcamp download store and download music. You know, that's part of what an artist does to engage with his or her fans. And you would know you were in a band, and obviously, Sharky, so are you. But I, that's what I would argue is, is partly missing from the equation now. And, and part of the reason it's missing now is because the bands. Many of the bands who have the fans, sort of the whole middle level of the music industry, or much of the music, middle level of the music industry, are not pushing their fans towards streaming, and that's a problem. It's a problem for all the boats to ride.
4: I don't know. Tim, do you want to respond to what Dick said before I jump in? <laughs> no, no, go, go ahead. Okay. The fulcrum between pro and subscriber share is basically the average number of listens per month, right? And so Spotify says the average number of listens per month is roughly 1,100. And if you take seven dollars and you divide it by 1,000, you get 0.007, right? So that's the per-play stream rate right now. It's 0.007. It's not a coincidence that the average. You know, if you divide the monthly dollars available for royalty by the average, you get what is the per stream rate because that is in fact how it works mathematically, right? So if your rate is 0.007, right, and let's say you as a subscriber are to 200 streams a month, which is a completely reasonable number of streams for a subscriber, very common number. This is not like obscenely low. 200 streams a month times 0.07 is going to be $1.40. So they've contributed $7 to the royalty pool, but their listens are only getting $1.40, right? So if they switch from 200 streams a month to 400 streams a month, instead of contributing $1.40, they'll now contribute 280. dollars So that's still under the pro rata is going to leave $4.20 going to other artists they're not listening to. Under Subscriber Share, let's say they listen to 200 additional artists, right? So now instead of 200 artists, they're listening to 400 artists. Well those 200 artists, right, would each be getting a a piece of that uh, original $1.40, right? So they're each going to basically get .007 cents, right? Uh, That's what they get for their one play. If they were in Subscriber Share and they had instead of .007 per play,
0: they had one four hundredth of seven dollars. So under prorata, which is what we actually have in the marketplace today, you're saying there's an average. The average number of s- streams. Wait, the the number of streams is based on the average number of streams per. No, 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 no. no, no what in order to
5: do the math.
0: Okay, got, yeah. I got yeah. confused this, this, that because yeah. that's not I, how I, we me, do it, right? We we do it yeah. based on no, the no, total it, number of streams.
5: There's an absolute <laughs> number. The, the value of a stream varies from month to month based on how many, are, how many subscribers there are and how many plays there are.
0: And that, Tim, is a very important point for people who are listening to the show to understand because I have to talk to artists all the time who say, why don't we, Why isn't there one streaming rate? Why don't I know right, what my right. streaming and rate
4: under is? The pro rata method, the price per stream is you, you take the total number of clicks and you divide it by the total number of streams, right? To get the average number of streams per user, you take the total number of users divided by the total number of streams. If you take the average number of streams per user and you divide it by the number that goes to the royalty pool, you get to that exact same number. It's, it's not a coincidence. They're mathematically related. They're, they're tied. They're, it's, it's the same thing. It's, it's two ways of getting to the same number. So
5: another way of stating the exact same thing is that there's the pool of money that is, can be divided amongst all artists, varies from month to month based on how many subscribers are and what they pay to subscribe.
2: The yes, point is I there's agree. a
5: pool of money so, that's there to be divided, and the question is how do you divide it most equitably? I agree 100%. Right. So here's,
4: here's where things get sort of goofy, in, just from my perspective. So the fulcrum between whether you make more money with subscriber share or you make more money with pro the fulcrum is the average number of streams per month. Let's say you have 100 fans. If your fans are all light users, let's say they all listen 100 times per month. You're going to make less than somebody that has 100 fans that are all above average users. They listen to, you know, 1,500 streams a month. And so my concern, I guess, about the pro rata method is it's saying essentially, you know, let's say I'm an older, like, blues artist and I got 500 fans and they're all, you know, dads who got work jobs and maybe have an hour or two on the weekends to listen to music. But they do have the money to pay for a streaming service. And this is one of the artists among many that they listen to. However, they don't get to stream more than 150, 200 streams a month, which is not abysmally low. That's a normal number for a streaming customer. I, I think the averages I've seen are between 200 and 400. I mean, what was your experience at, at Google? What did, what did a typical subscriber Listen to? How many streams a month? You know, what was your experience? I,
5: I can't speak, you know, specifically to Google. I can say okay. in my 15 years of experience doing this at a variety of different services, the number has, you know, it began around in the early part of the century. It was around 200 plays per month and it's been growing since then.
4: So, I mean, if, if you had to guess, uh, I'm not trying to pin you down, what do you, what do you think a, uh, a typical user is doing right right around now?
5: Well, I don't think there is a typical user. An average is an average, right? There are, there are okay. very low well, users, okay, and very high okay. users and there are very high uh, users. And there okay. are months, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm subscribed to multiple services. There are months when I play nothing on one service and a bunch on another service. And then there are months when I play lots, right? Um, my own mm-hmm. use varies. I'm, so right. I, don't, I don't believe that there's a type of fan who remains subscribed to a service who is a low, you know, who has month in and months out a low number of plays. Right. Because so, those people my, unsubscribe.
4: Right. No, I, well, they do, and sometimes they don't. I mean, sometimes they kind of drift along for a while before, you know, they fade out. It's not like, oh, I didn't stream anything this month.
0: That's an interesting question, you guys, because I actually think that there are probably a lot of people, and I think subscription services often rely on people who don't remember to unsubscribe. You know that there's there's part of that pool of money comes from people who just sort of keep paying without really thinking about it too much. Like, oh yeah, I have Spotify. I only listened to a couple of things this month. Whatever. I've certainly done it. Yeah, I've done it. <laughs> I'm doing it you right know. now. I'm not listening to Spotify <laughs> right this second. Look
5: at me. So, Portia, if you're mm-hmm. if you are currently one of those users in that state, and this month, you know it's November, so like next month you're going to be playing a bunch of Christmas music music maybe I don't know but this month you play one song by one indie band that's closest to your heart do you think that band is being ripped off if they don't get your full subscriber fee for that month
0: well I I mean I don't think that right now because that isn't the model and in in fact because of my job and my where my heart is I'm happy that my seven bucks or whatever is going to artists even if I'm not listening you know what I'm saying like I'm, right. I'm glad they're getting yeah. some money even if i'm not listening to them. But i think what we need to also talk about because we're kind of getting into the like the extra weedy portion of this uh, yeah. s- discussion mm-hmm. is really like you know sort of bringing it back to you know if this was really better because r- the way that subscriber share ha- the biggest positive that i can see about subscriber share as a model is that it really appeals on a PR level. You know it's like do you love your band do you want to give your money to a certain band? You know, do you, do you feel, are you going to feel more connected as a fan if you know that your money is really going directly to that band that you play all the time or that you play 50% of the time or 20% of the time or whatever it is? I don't think that's the portion that matters. But going way back to the original question that Tim brought up, you know, is this going, is Universal going to do better if people pay via subscriber share rather than via pro rata? And is that at all something that we think that they would even consider? And I, I'm pointing at Universal. I'm singling them out.
4: Before you can answer that question, you got to come back to this first question, which is you have to agree on what the, the fulcrum is, right? And so, like, I've actually done a complete mathematical model of, of a subscription service from top to bottom involving millions of users. And what I learned from, from looking at this and comparing the different models, the Fulcrum is quite simply the average number of streams per month. If the user listens to less than the average, then all of the artists they listen to would make more under subscriber share if they listen to more than the average, then all of the artists they listen to would make more under Prorata.
5: If both types of subscribers remain subscribed for the same amount of time, but that's just not the way it works. No, no, no I'm not talking about both types of subscribers. I'm,
4: I'm talking about the universe of subscribers. This is literally the, the dividing line between the two of them. It's, it's not as complicated as you might think. For instance, if all
5: subscribers listen to a thousand
4: streams per month, there would literally be no difference between the two systems.
5: Exactly. And so and, and Portia, I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to your point in just a second, but Sharky, I think you just hit on it, right? My biggest philosophical issue with this is that what you're arguing for is basically elitist. You're basically suggesting that there's a type of fan and a type of artist who have fewer fans, who listen to fewer different types of artists, and they are somehow, their music is worth more, their fans are worth more, and they should be rewarded differently than the Taylor Swifts of the world. I would
4: imagine your experience in, in your years of being with streaming services, you know, most fans, can accomplish 200 to 400 streams a month, and very few fans can accomplish 10,000 streams a month, right? It's like a bit of a power law. As the number of streams increases, the number of fans able to achieve that number of streams decreases. Is, is that fair to say? Is that your experience?
5: Yeah, they're outliers.
4: Yeah. So it's not like necessarily an outlier per se. It's, it's more like a smooth curve I would imagine that as the number of streams increases, the number of fans that can accomplish that number of streams decreases. So my concern, if it follows a power law like that, then like in in many other cases where power laws sort of arise, then what you have is you have a very small minority of users that controls a majority of the revenue. That's just how it works mathematically. If you have somebody that's streaming no, 10,000... No, if if, no,
5: you don't. No, you don't. If there's 100 people who are playing 10,000 streams a month, and there are 10,000 people who are playing 100 streams a month, it evens out. And it's not elitist. It's, I mean, there's nothing more populist than well, saying the more you're played, the more you're paid. I think you can accomplish what you're looking for... We, in, under the current model. It's basically just saying, hey, I need fans. I need fans on the subscription service. I need them to play me as much as possible. The more you play me, the more I get paid. You don't have to change the payment model to achieve that.
0: Dick, can you speak to this idea of, you know, hypothetically, if subscriber share were something that, you know, people got excited about and got behind, what would be our challenges in trying to get the majors to switch to this? And not only the majors, but the the services, just because I'm thinking it's a real shift in the model to go from number of streams divided by pool of money to actually looking at each individual user and what that user streams.
3: From the service side, you know, Tim is certainly eminently qualified to talk about how you would conceptually make it work. And so Sharky, for that matter, that both have deep programming knowledge. It's clearly a programming issue and problem and one that would have to be solved. And it comes with its own set of, of challenges. There are, there are audit challenges, there are explaining challenges. So, you know, I'm not gonna I explain it to artists challenges, you know, and, and why, why is my stream rate right this, this month and why is it, is it not, you know, now it's not one flat rate, it's many different rates for each user that listens to me. It's a little bit more complicated explaining job, but it, it doesn't mean that it can't be done. And I think the bigger question is, should it be done? Is it important that it's done? And if so, how do we create an explanation around why we're doing it that way?
0: And the um, argument, Dick, in the marketplace is that if we're moving towards streaming as the main method of consumption, correct. that perhaps we should be thinking about streaming differently and not just taking it for granted that the pro rata payment method is the best or only option.
3: That's really the biggest point that I, I would like to make. I mean, all due respect, to Tim, to the, you know, the, the year-long history, not only with Google, but before that, this model has been around for us a long time, you know, for most of our careers, but in the grand scheme of things, it hasn't really been around that long. And you know, who's to say that we got it right just because we picked the model that we did? You know, I, I do know for a fact that you know, at the point where the original model for on-demand streaming compensation was, was considered, that subscriber share was looked at by at least some of the major labels. I know that for a fact. Uh, maybe you do too, Tim. But you know, the choice was made to choose prorata, but doesn't mean it was the right choice. And just to finish to finish the answer to your question, Portia, about about how do you move the you know the individual Opponents as the part of the industry that has to commit to this, which would be the rights owners,
2: mm-hmm.
3: uh, to make a change. The the best way I can figure out to do that is is what Sharky and I are doing, which is to push for a non partial
4: conversation.
3: Uh, yeah, conversation uh, uh, and and evaluation that you know sets up a number of models as much as possible on actual data i realize that there are privacy concerns that there are uh, that there are concerns about uh, competitive concerns about sharing data but you know our our wish would be that we could find an educational institution or an organization who could be could be non-partial and who could take the data and present it in a way that is, doesn't identify down to, for instance, a specific band, but that compares maybe different types of bands or bands with different time periods or, or whatever. And so, so we could actually look at one next to the other and say, okay, if we made the switch, this is what would happen. You
4: know, here's here's the good news. The good news is, unlike a lot of arguments that or discussions that, that happen out in the public, you know is this way the right way, or is that way the, the 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 right way? This isn't really an emotional argument. this is an economic argument, and there's going to be an objective, correct answer. This isn't about should we build more prisons or you know do we pay more welfare? you know this isn't one of those emotional things where you're never really going to have an answer that's going to satisfy everybody. There should theoretically be an answer that definitively and determinatively establishes one way or is better than the other. And I will be the first to say that I, I, I could be 100% wrong on this. My concern is, is that we're saying some users are worth a lot and other users are worthless. And I feel like these users that we've declared as worthless, these comparatively light subscribers, that's actually where all the future growth Opportunity is,
5: and so it's where all the the future churn is.
4: Well, churn, churn, churn is still has value, and ultimately, you know, if Nielsen Research says sixty percent of music aficionados are already subscribed, so if we're stuck at one percent of the popula world's population as as a subscriber, and we can't hope to get any further, then the music industry is kind of screwed, right? Like, then streaming's a bad
5: deal. My point is simply that you bring the light users in, and over time, in order to stick around, they have to become heavy users. And I wish I could be as sanguine as you and say there's a data driven answer that will satisfy all parties, but there isn't because, and you know, I've been at this a long time. All the data I've seen suggests and in dick i shared that you know i was in a cult band that doesn't see a lot of money from streaming all my favorite right, musicians are cult <laughs> bands that don't see a lot of money from streaming right i'm not arguing yeah. against them i'm saying i want to make sure we're tilting at the right windmill and everything i've seen suggests that making the change you guys are you guys are advocating for will not have a material impact on the average individual artist The only entities that it might have an impact on are aggregators of those types of artists, right? So there are going to be, however, you know, if you make a change of this nature, some people are going to make a little bit less money, or rather some entities are going to make a little bit less money. Some Most entities are going to make either a little bit less money or a little bit more money. Some entities are going to make a lot more money and some entities are going to make a lot less money. My contention is those entities who make either a lot more or a lot less are going to be distributors and labels, not individual artists. I would disagree
4: with that on on this very narrow point, which is to the extent that most users are below average in terms of listening, the aforementioned power law. If you have a a fan base that's below average users, then to the extent that you have more fans you will do better and this, the analysis of data that's been done to date has shown artists that did 1500% greater income some some did and some did less there were winners and losers by and large
5: yeah, the, the winners but the 1500% greater income might mean oh instead of making 100 dollars right no 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 you're this, making is the top five, this is the top 200 this is the
4: top 5000 artists it's it's actually material at this point is making a significant impact on their livelihoods. And my point is, is that if ultimately we say the artists with more fans are more valuable, I don't view that as a bad thing. And for me, I don't look at this as indie versus major, mid-level artists versus small. I, I look at it as across the entire spectrum of music. For me, what I would expect to see is that musicians that are able to have a draw, those are the ones that we should be rewarding and musicians that have smaller draws should make less money you know we don't when somebody shows up at a at a club we don't say how often did you listen to the artist this month you know okay so we're we're going to pay the artist based on how often their fans listen to them no we we pay them based on how many people they bring in the door and I think the fairest measure of how many people you bring in the door is, you know, what market share did you uh, accomplish for any given in- individual?
5: So you bring someone in the door. If that person listens to nothing in a given month. How do you divide their money?
4: You know, the, the nothing problem is a problem at, under either scenario, right? The way they approach nothing and the pro rata method is they distribute it across the entire spectrum, but which, as a point point. My response to that is what you said earlier. The number of people that listen to zero is vanishingly small. So as far as I'm concerned, if you want to take people that listen to zero and distribute it pro rata against all the listeners or you want to come up with some other sort of scenario for how you distribute that money, I'm agnostic. I'm, I'm indifferent. It doesn't really matter. It's not, it, I feel the same way about the ad-supported money, the premium. It's, it's less than uh, 12% of all the revenue. It, it's not really material. I'm talking about the 88%. You know, to 90% of the revenue that actually makes a difference. And the studies that have been done, they are limited studies, and I'll, I'll concede that point, but what the publicly available research that has been done has shown that it makes a huge impact on some artists, both good and bad. And I look at it as we want to reward the artists that bring people in the door, whoever they are. I don't care if they're pop stars. I don't care if they're indie. If they're the ones contributing to you know, the overall health of the ecosystem, those are the ones that should be rewarded.
0: On that note, we are out of time, but to Dick's point about wanting this to be part of the conversation and something, you know, just getting a conversation started, I appreciate you guys coming on this show because hopefully this can be part of the conversation and people can listen to it and contact you guys if they have questions, right? <laughs> <laughs> so my guests today were Sharky Laguana, Dick Huey, and Tim Quirk. Guys, thank you so much for coming on The Future of What?
3: It was awesome. Right. Thank you. <laughs> hey, thanks for <Portia>. having <laughs>
0: That was Old Guy by Wimps. And that's our show. The music we played today was used by permission. You heard Wimps, Red Cabin, and of course, our theme song, Mind Your Own Business by the Delta Five. If you have a question you want answered on the show, please email us at thefutureofwhatshow at gmail.com. Our episodes are archived at killrockstars.com thefutureofwhat, and you can subscribe to our podcast on Bandcamp. Follow us on Twitter at KRSFOW. Our program was engineered by Brent Asbury at Beta Petrol and is produced by Will Watts, Anna McLean, and John Zapulvedo. I'm Portia Sabin, president of Kill Rock Stars. See you next week.